What is up, headbangers? This is the Filthy Beat Inspectors Podcast, brought to you by Dubstep FBI. I am your co-host, Yessi, and I got my business partner, Chrissy, right here with me. We are actually super stoked for this episode because we interviewed one of the biggest up-and-comers right now, Nazar. We covered a lot of topics in this episode, including Nazar's recent reband announcement, and he mentioned that he would be stepping away from Dubstep for now, which actually took us by surprise. So before we jump right into this episode, just wanted to cover a couple of housekeeping things. If you haven't already, you should check out our most recent episode with Hidden Hen from Space Yacht. We also launched the third season of Riot Control Radio at the beginning of this year, so be sure to check out our most recent mixes by Knots, Ipsium, and Ruvlo. Last but not least, huge shout out to our awesome street team and to you guys, all of our supporters. We, Chrissy and I, we couldn't even believe that all of our merch sold out before the end of the year. I mean, that was a big win for us in 2020. So we also got some awesome interviews lined up with big names like Pixel Terror and Wales. So be sure to subscribe and follow us on all social media platforms to stay up to date. All of our vlog and podcast content is featured on the stage, EDM Central Hub. So visit stagehoppers.com to check it out. Whew. All right, enough talking. <laughs> Let's jump right in. What is going on, everyone? My name's Yessi. I'm Chrissy. We have Nazar on the mic today. What's going on? What's good? How are you guys? Hey, thanks for being our guest. Of course, of course. So I could tell that you're out in a hotel. You're in New Mexico. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In Redoso, New Mexico, skiing it up. Hell yeah. I mean, from November 30th, you announced that you were taking a break, right? To clear yeah. head and you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind sharing, we'd love to hear what your biggest takeaways were from this break. I just spent a lot of time um, kind of separating myself from like social media, going back to the roots of just sticking at home and watching YouTube videos and making music and being the bedroom kind of like creature that we all once were um so i just kind of got in touch with like an old version of me that was so much more like creative and so much more inspired um and like social media just bogs up your mind nowadays like you know so much going on at once so it was good to like take a step back and just kind of relax and be able to look at things from a different perspective mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It's super easy to get caught up in all the social media hype, especially because with the pandemic, that's what everyone's doing now. Like there's literally nothing else to do. So I find myself on social media for like four or five hours a day. And I'm just like, man, I really did check Twitter eight times in this hour, didn't I? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, like so much information and we retain almost none of it. It's just kind mm -hmm. of pointless scrolling. And then, you know, we kind of sit back and we're like, oh, what did I just spend five hours of my life doing? Yeah. I've done something so much more productive. Yep, exactly. Especially with all the Twitter drama that went down the other day with Carnage. Oh Yikes. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Look, I love Carnage to death. Um, but I think in all reality, there's levels 
to how producers operate and you get to a point where there's so much music being sent to you you just don't want to listen to anything and um you know you just kind of want to take a breather and i think where a lot of the big guys are is where it's hard to discover new talent because the new talent has to be in their face mm -hmm. and a lot of us are underground not getting much attention so it's harder it's it's a it's a, it's a whole different world there when it comes to that yeah, and it's hard too because I feel like every year this scene starts to mold genres into new new things. Like rhythm isn't the th the same thing that it was a couple years ago. Um, you know, color base is emerging, and so maybe for an artist who really you know had their time like for four or five years ago, maybe it's hard for them too to kind of see how these new genres have been emerging. For sure, I definitely agree. I think if there's one thing that can be learned is like versatility is a beautiful thing and I think a lot of artists have really like settled for what they're you know creatively the best at what's going to turn over the numbers for them mm -hmm. instead of like taking risks and creating things that are like out of their realm um which is something I really prided myself on doing from the beginning was just never sticking to one kind of like area of music um coincidentally the dubstep was what kind of took off but, you know, even before that, I was making house music, trap music. Um, so I think what's really important right now is just make whatever you want. Mm -hmm. so all my producers who are like sitting at home wondering what's the next big thing. It could be whatever. Just 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 make whatever you're going to you're going to make, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love to see new. I love to see the artists experimenting with new genres like I've been seeing a lot of dubstep artists say that they want to start making D&B lately, which that's so cool. You shouldn't feel like you're boxed in by this subgenre because that's what makes you go nuts to begin with. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And on top of that, I'm, I'm going to take a slight step away from the dubstep scene this year too, uh, if that wasn't already evident with the rebrand <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I think it's really important to just make whatever makes you happy. You know, um, that's a, a really important thing, thing that Skrillex has kind of made evident is that you not, you can tell it's a Skrillex song, but no Skrillex song ever sounds exactly the same as another song. So yeah. I think what I've really wanted to do this year is just make more, tell more story music. I've always been someone to tell stories in my songs, even if my dubstep songs have really dramatic intros and stuff. So uh, I'm going to venture more into a, uh, emotional kind of like tell a story type music and see what happens mm -hmm. so recently i mean we had already talked about it. you stepped away from social media but then you now have this new eye symbol which i mean i've seen around like on your mixes you know like the evil uh, the evil eye season you have like this sort of obsession with the eye i feel like <laughs> yeah. so what does this mean to you so, I mean, I guess the easiest way to explain this is the term Nazar, right? Like the name Nazar is um, the Urdu word for the evil eye. So the meaning of Nazar is the evil eye, if you translate it into English. So, okay. Um, that makes a lot of sense. The whole eye concept is like, you know, it, everyone knows the evil eye to be like a symbol of protection. Um, you know, people wear the evil eye to stay protected from bad spirits or even in other cultures, it's common to 
hanging up, hang it up around the house or, you know, do other things with the evil eye. And so I kind of wanted to bring that into music and feel like this is a safe place for everyone. And we're going to have, you know, a journey to talk about on the way there. Yeah, that's super cool that you mentioned the background with your name, Nazar, because I was really curious, like a lot of your music does have that. It's like a Middle Eastern, like almost Egyptian type vibe to it. And I'm curious, like how that relates to your roots and your culture. So I'm full blown Pakistani, both sides. Um, And then when I was born, my mom took me overseas for a few years to kind of like sink in the culture and grow up there so I could kind of never forget the roots that I came from while growing up here. It's really easy to get westernized when you're in the United States. Um, So both my parents being from Pakistan, it kind of like really seeped into my my music, um, especially when it came to the dubstep stuff because it was just easier to tell more of a story with like the Middle Eastern instrumentation and stuff like that. It was really cool, but um, now I think we're moving forward from that and doing some, some cooler stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know like, and going back to the evil eye too, I'm Greek. And so seeing the evil eye, I'm like, that wards off the evil spirits. So yep. it's cool to hear about how your roots kind of connected into what your name means and that whole symbolism. And obviously now you have this whole story to tell. So we're curious, like, what's to come like can you hint at any of these story elements that you've been posting about um I think for the most part uh it's gonna just kind of reflect the journey of like what I've gone through in the past few years um you know being like an underground artist is like it has its ups it has its downs you know I'm sure any other artist can tell you some days we feel like we're on top of the world and other days we feel like the world doesn't even know us Mm -hmm. um And there's a lot of things that come with that, Um, you know, whole fluctuation of emotions and personal relations and the way things change in life overall. And I think I really want to tell the story of what it was like to to go through that inside of the music and kind of just see if it translates for the most part. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're super excited to hear that because I think a lot of other artists go through that too. As you mentioned, being in the underground, it's like, you're constantly working every single day to like be better than who you were yesterday. But sometimes you post something and it doesn't get any traction or you feel like no one cares about what you're doing when it means so much to you. And so I think that story is something that a lot of people will relate to. I hope so. I mean, it's it's something that a lot of my friends go through. I go through. I'm sure any anybody who's just started any sort of venture goes through. So it's kind of good to know that you're not alone in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Do you have any shows lined up for this year yet? Or do you even think shows will be back to normal at all anytime soon? I, I mean, as far as I know, I don't have anything booked up yet. And if I do, it'll be like on social media and stuff. But I think the smartest thing right now is to just kind of stay at home, work on music and let the shows come back to us when the time is right and everything is like, you know, perfect. Um, it's gonna be hard to enjoy a show with so many rules and restrictions um and i think you know either we adapt or we will but you know it's just time to like stay home we've, we've been up and touring for a year and a half non-stop right before this it was a really good break so i'm not sure how soon i would want to just jump back out on the road again 
Yeah, agreed. I feel like a lot of people are kind of jumping right into the shows where I'm like, like we're about to cancel the trip that we have planned to Europe in May because there's no way that all of us are going to have both doses of the vaccine by then if they even let us into the country. So I just, I'm curious to see like shows will come back at the point when 80% of people have the vaccine, I think, which won't even probably be till next year. I think so too. I think so too. Um, I mean, think uh, the way they're rolling out the vaccine seems strategic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for the most part, no one's going to feel comfortable going to a show unless they know that at least a solid 50% of the people there are vaccinated, which you can't really account for in, in reality unless you start making people show proof, which I right. doubt you want to do. So mm-hmm. the smartest thing is to just stay home, play cool. You know, a lot of artists are putting a lot of effort into the live streams. Mm-hmm. You know, just although I know it's not the same, you know, you, like the aura is not the same. The ambience and the delivery is not the same. But take some time to see what they're trying to convey to you inside of this live stream. And uh, there's, whole, there's a whole new world changing for us in the entertainment industry. We have to adapt now. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few months. I mean, that's what I love about this EDM community is that, you know, despite everything that happened and it hit our industry the hardest, everyone has found ways to still come together, whether that's, you know, having Zoom meetings like this and having virtual rave-a-thons, live streams, Q&A panels, you know, having Instagram live streams and just talking to their fans. Like everyone has really found ways to just, you know, stay afloat and, you know, stay connected with their fans. So that's what I love about this community. Definitely like the game, yeah. The dance music producers and and more uh, more or less pretty much anyone who's like kind of adapted has done really well in terms of adapting mm-hmm. to making sure the fans know that they're still there, what they're up to. Even though I might not be playing shows right now, you know, here we are, we're, we're doing some insane stuff. So it's, and especially inside of dance music, these guys are getting really creative and it's really awesome to see. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic, too, because we told people, like, Dubstep FBI was founded out of the pandemic. We wouldn't be as successful as we are if we didn't have that captive audience, like, sitting in front of their phones and stuff. But we found it's a really good way to engage with people. I mean, yes, we went from, you know, being at the Excision show, trading candy and, like, hugging each other and all that, to being all in four separate houses and zooming in live to the slander set or you know, what have you. So it's definitely helped us grow, I think. And it's also helped us find new ways to communicate with each other, which that's never going to change. Like you always have to be constantly adapting in this world of technology that we have. So I personally have learned how to do Zoom interviews a lot better since the pandemic started. <laughs> We've become Zoom experts. <laughs> yeah. Two. Jeez. Yeah. No, you know, I think what's really dope is that now our communication is so much more meaningful because it was we took we took for granted the presence of another human being and and like how much time we would spend with another person just didn't mean as much and now here we are in a pandemic where we can't see our best friends or we can't see our you know grandparents or what have you and now everything just becomes so much more valuable these zoom meetings become much more valuable and and you know things are just have completely shifted and I think even though some people may not agree I think it's a beautiful thing that we we have come together 
more than we ever have before because of this pandemic, which is insane. Yeah, I agree completely. Like yesterday was my mom's birthday and I'm actually in quarantine right now. Normally, Yessi and I are together side by side, but I'm in quarantine right now. And so I had to miss my mom's birthday, but they called me, they FaceTimed me as they were starting to light the candles and we all got to sing happy birthday and I, I led it, but they sang along with it. And then my brother was holding the phone. So it, it felt like I was right there at the table with her when she was blowing out the candles. And then I got a screenshot of it. And it's just a different, a different way to do things. Like it's sad I can't be with them, but it really warmed my heart and it made me realize how special it is that we can actually do that with them. And stay in communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, versus not being able to see them at all. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that in itself will change a lot of how artists interact with each other um, when things come back. Because, you know, a lot of us were just starting to get to know one another through the touring circuit. Mm-hmm. And once the pandemic hit, it was kind of like being able to see one another, you know. Um, so in that in itself will, I guess, will make everything so much more valuable. You know, seeing your family is valuable, seeing your friends is valuable. And so it's just, I found so much beauty in this darkness that we have in front of us. It's more more about making the best of a bad situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like Chrissy was saying, I'm in quarantine. This is a virtual room for anyone who's watching the video of this, <laughs> but, I unfortunately got hit with COVID. So I'm just, I've just been locked in my room and it's learned to make me appreciate more of just being outdoors and actually having face-to-face interaction with my friends. And, and how do you feel? Is everything like, do you feel super sick at all whatsoever? Or are you just, you know, I, I feel fine now. But when it was hitting me, it started off with a running nose, but I always have a running nose because whoever lives in Colorado, it's super dry out here. I mean, the change of climate, some days it'll be super cold and it'll snow. And then the next day it'll be 75 degrees. So the constant change in climate, I always have a runny nose and a dry throat. So I didn't think much of it. And then one morning I just woke up and I had a major headache and I just felt like, I got hit by a train. So I was pretty much bedridden all day because I just felt really weak and tired. And I just immediately went and got tested and the results came back positive. And when I got my results back, which was a couple of days later, I couldn't taste or smell anything. So I would say that right now they're about 80% back and I'm actually one of the lucky few people who actually get their senses back within a week because I've talked to other people who have COVID and they don't get their senses back until like a month later, sometimes six months later. And I almost cried when I, you know, you do a Google search and you're like, my, my senses are gone. Like, when am I going to be able to taste and smell my food again? And it said like, it could take up to six months. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) like I almost had an emotional breakdown. (laughs) And I was like texting Chrissy, like, have you lost your sense of taste and smell? And she surprisingly tested negative. I don't, I think I'm immune to COVID. I literally, my boyfriend tested positive. Yes, he tested positive. Our other best friend, Joe, tested positive. And then I think that's it. But we all were together that weekend. And I was just like, how? 
Yeah. And it's just our group. Like it, we hang out just the four of us. We don't really socialize with other people. That's like our little bubble, but Chrissy's boyfriend works in public schools. So we think that he, maybe he was exposed there or maybe, I don't know. We don't know, but at least we were able to track it. <laughs> Are the Colorado public schools open? Yeah. So the elementary schools here, are the only schools that are actually open right now. And he works IT for Denver Public Schools. And so he has to go from three three schools every week that he serves. And that's so scary because like these little kids are just running around and they're like swapping spit and you know doing what kids do. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's like the breeding grounds for COVID right there for children. Wow. I know it's just hard because you can't really teach kids remotely like you give a six-year-old a Chromebook and they're going to pull the keys off of it they're not going to learn math so okay, yeah. that's why mm -hmm. yeah or they're going to want to listen to cartoons or whatnot mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah I can't even imagine being a parent right now and mm -hmm. trying to work from home and then also try and homeschool my kid I props to parents right now during COVID because I don't I don't know how I could do that. I'm, I can barely even take care of myself. I can barely even work from home. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's crazy. Yeah, I never. I, I haven't even thought about it that way. I'm. That's. Imagine having a four-year-old at home trying to learn. What do four-year-olds learn? Addition, subtraction, like, you know, it's going to be a pain to get that. Yeah. Through. Yeah. And then know. you having to take responsibility and do it yourself now. <laughs> And a lot of parents are out of work too, which is crazy. I know I'm, I'm from El Paso. Well, I live in El Paso, uh, which is like right on the border of Mexico and then 45 minute drive from where I grew up in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And then, so this whole like area is like, it's not the most affluent area in the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, seeing a lot of families kind of just like struggle during this whole time just makes me wonder how much harder it's going to be when we are out of here because the job market is going to be extremely competitive and you know who knows employment might shoot through the roof but as you know employment goes up the job market gets harder so it's like you know finding finding a way to adapt and that that also carries on in the touring too and so like for artists a lot of artists haven't gone a year two or some have even gone two years without playing the show and so what are the rates going to be like when this is all over? What's, what's, what are we going to see? And mm -hmm. are our ticket prices going to get jacked up six, seven times? You know, we, ne we never know. It's just a, it's one of those things where we're walking blind and kind of trying to figure out what's going to happen after all this. Yeah. I mean, I've heard so many different theories, but I think like people will probably be desperate to start booking shows. Like once it's safe to start booking shows, I'd imagine that the promoters are just going to be like, get in here, you know? So yeah. I, I hope it leads to discounted rates, but I know that the discounted rates would also mean that they're leaving money on the table when they actually probably need it to recover. Cause right. I mean, even a couple of venues here in Denver went under during the pandemic. And so it's just that it's like, what's going to be left when we do get out of this next year. So mm -hmm. it's a real, real question. And, and like the real crime is that we can't, live correctly off of our art we have to mm -hmm. live off of the performance of our art so you know the right. royalty rates and the stuff like that and, and this is stuff that more like i guess the the folks in my size range 
who are in my up and coming range right now have we we got hit the hardest with this because you know right before this pandemic i had like 700,000 monthly streams mm-hmm. and like you know everything was going well and the pandemic hits everything surges but the spotify cuts their rate people are starting to like you know not make as much as they used to before and all of us have rent and bills and other things to do and so it's like the real question is how what what can we really do to change the way artists are getting compensated for what we do Mm -hmm. yeah and when i heard about the spotify rate change i saw this thing that said stop making creators create for free like artists yes they create they create beautiful art and it's there for you to enjoy and a lot of people take it for granted but that's their way of making a living and the fact that like artists in that range that you just mentioned like leading up to a million monthlies like a lot of times you're spending so much time and so many hours creating that art for everyone that you know when those rates do get cut you can't make bills or you know, you find yourself like struggling because it's hard to maintain a full-time job on top of being an artist. So I totally get that. Like stop making artists create for free. And the crazy part is I think in a lot of, a lot of what the fans don't know is that going into like going into making the song costs money because you, you have to have a vocalist or that vocalist is going to pay an engineer and that engineer is going to mix down the song and then he's going to send it to someone to pitch correct it. And then you come back and, and you're going to do all the mixing and mastering, but, oh, you need this plugin. That's $60. Here's this other plugin. That's $80. Or, and you know, expansions and this. Making music costs money. And if we're not making any, the quality just, just won't be the same anymore. So that was one thing that me in the beginning of the pandemic was just to start a, start an idea of how I was going to like strategically save money when I wasn't touring, you know? And big time big time you know um right before this i was about to go on tour with carnage and the atlians and um a few other folks and you know it was it was gonna be a crazy tour i was about it was literally like one week out of my first tour day when everything got canceled simultaneously and i sat back thinking oh i have nothing booked i have nothing that could possibly play i have songs that are streaming really well but it's, what can we do to adapt so it was a uh, was really definitely treacherous, but I think we're going on to the long stretch now. It might, it might, we might not have shows back until like the fall of this year, but I would be grateful if we have them by the fall. I totally agree. Um, so you've told us what your plans are for this year. You're kind of just laying low. You're finding yourself again. I want to ask about last year because you released a song called Imperial with Pixar, Pixel Terror. And I'm curious what the process was like from start to finish working with those guys. So all Pixel Terror, great group of friends. Um, Aria and Bentley, awesome folks. Um, I met Bentley like three, four years ago um, through Facebook randomly. And um, we had never actually met in person until he was, oh no, actually until I was heading to, LA to play a space yacht show and space yacht shout out yeah shout out space yacht um I Bentley pulled up to that show and and I brought him on stage with me to play a song and we went back to his apartment and kind of sifted through ideas and we couldn't find anything that would work at that time so I spent like a year building these demos up for um what would be the legacy EP 
which was going to come out on Never Say Die. Um, but Never Say Die had picked a separate set of songs, and I had these older set of songs sitting here. So I sent them off to a few friends, and uh, Bentley actually came to El Paso for a show that got canceled. And we ended up sitting in the studio for a day, and we found this project file, and we were like, yo, we have to work on this. So we started working on it. It took about a month of back and forth. Um, but they're so creative and like so so immersed inside of creating these cool sounds that I learned a lot off of Bentley um, and his sound design process. And it was just like really, really fun to work with them. And we came out with Imperial and it was just like this perfect dynamic between us. Yeah, that's so cool. I was watching them do a production stream the other night and he was like zoned in and he was just making this sick pool house banger. You know, it was like something you would hear at like the pool party in Vegas. But yeah, they're so talented. We're super excited to see where this year takes them. Yeah, they're gonna, they're, those guys are going to be awesome. And they're always doing something creative. And they always have something up their sleeve. So you just got to watch out. For mm -hmm. it. awesome. Always coming out with the bangers. <laughs> always, always. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I think this is a good time to jump into our favorite part of the show. It's called the lightning round. So we're just going to spit some questions at you and just answer as quickly as possible. So Chrissy, do you want to get started? Yep, I'll get started. When is your next release? Sometime late February or early March. I can't say yet. Ooh, that's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Ooh, can't wait. Especially because you said that you're stepping away from dubstep. So, hmm. That'll be interesting. <laughs> will be, will be. <laughs> All right. What city are you most excited to play in after the pandemic? Denver, for sure. Hey, yeah. three of three, yeah. baby. <laughs> you and your girlfriend will have to hit us up when you guys are out here. We'll show yeah. you. We'll show yeah. you a good time. <laughs> yeah, it, it will be awesome. It'll be super awesome. What country would be your dream travel destination? Bali, Indonesia. Ooh. Yeah. I went there almost two years ago. Absolutely amazing. I want to go there so bad. It looks beautiful. And I just can't, I just want to see the clear water in my face. That's it. Oh, you'd have to do the floating breakfast. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Floating breakfast was one of the highlights. And scuba diving with manta rays was awesome. That sounds so much fun. That sounds so much fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you could collab with any one artist, who would it be that you haven't collabed with? That I haven't collabed with? Uh, Eptic. Eptic would be super sick. And he's like one of my idols. I love that guy. Yeah. Eptic would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nizar, what's your favorite animal? I'm a real big fan of giraffes yes Ooh, this is off topic but have you heard there's a hotel in kenya it's like this really cute little boutique hotel but you sit by the window and there's giraffes that literally stick their head through the window and they'll eat off your plate like that's the you whole purpose it. of it yeah i'm booking the trip there right now yeah like right. literally google kenya giraffe hotel or something and you'll see all these pictures from influencers and YouTube videos. It's pretty popular. I think that's the only reason why I would ever go to Kenya is to go to that hotel. 
Yeah. Anyways, all right. SoundCloud or Spotify? Uh, Spotify. For sure. Mm-hmm. Just better overall. Yeah, SoundCloud's kind of like a pit, but hey, sometimes there's really good music on it. Find some gems. Yeah. Last question for you. Who are your producer best friends? Heckler, Glades, Akuma, Lizdeck, um, Bellmax, Gaytalians, um, so many more that I know are going to be so mad at me that I'm not saying their name right now. Um, <laughs> anyone that I follow on, on Instagram and or Twitter are my producer best friends. Love y'all. There you go. Catch all. <laughs> Love to see it. <laughs> well, Nazar, do you have anything else that you'd like to say to everyone who's listening? Stick around. It's going to get really interesting this year. I'm going to do some really weird cool stuff and i hope that you guys are going to enjoy it (laughs) yes super excited to see where this year takes you and we will be keeping an eye out for your release at the end of the month or maybe early next month so yes super hyped i can't wait awesome well for everyone who's listening thanks again for joining in on on another episode of the filthy beat inspectors it was great having you on the show nazar Uh, Super excited to hopefully have you in Denver soon when things go back to normal and once it's safe to do so. But hope you all stay safe out there. Don't get COVID. Please wear your masks, sanitize your hands, and we'll see you all at the next rave whenever that is.